You're listening to On The Road, a podcast powered by Otto Kahn. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Welcome to Series 2 of On The Road, a podcast all about the private hire industry. Uh, we had an absolute blast last season, speaking to a range of different players, from the drivers to the riders and the operators themselves. To kick off Season 2, we've kept our word and brought in one of the biggest car manufacturers on the planet and the geniuses behind the iconic Prius. Say hello to Toyota. We've got Erfan and Stephen joining us today to talk all things Toyota and private hire. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today. How are we Pleasure. doing? Very well, thank you. Awesome. Uh, and as always, we're joined by Ish, who will be leading our live questions. It feels like it was only yesterday. I think it literally was, so that's fine. <laughs> How are you feeling today? I'm pumped doing well, thank two? you. Yeah, very pumped up. Got coffee, we're in a different location. I know, different room. A bit different from uh, Britannia House, that's yeah, for sure. Exactly. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, would you like to introduce yourselves to our listeners and give a bit of a flavour as to what you've done okay. to Hi, my name is Stephen Craig. I'm the Regional Fleet Sales Manager for Toyota in the south of England and covering uh, London in particular with regard to the PCO, which is why I'm here today. Erfan Manir, work for Stephen Eagle Toyota, Divisional Director. Um, been with Stephen for 16 years uh, and, and do a group role uh, looking after a number of centres. So, yeah, that's, so that's you, you guys must know each other pretty well then. Yeah. Yes, we've met once or twice. He's on my Christmas list. Yeah, we work very closely with the manufacturer right. and we have a great relationship. So yeah, we work yeah. hand in hand, should we say. Mm. Yeah. So you guys must have really been, um, you know, seeing the kind of success here in London of the, the Prius as the success of, let's say, Private Hire came up. Um, you guys must have really evolved with that as well, right? Sure, yeah. I mean, it started quite a few years ago for, for Toyota. Um, we sort of realised quite early on there was a, an opportunity for hybrid within the taxi PCO market um, because of the fuel saving initially, which was brought to our attention by a couple of operators. Um, and then we developed it from, from there. And then obviously the phenomenon that is Uber arrived and um, put the uh, marketplace stratospheric. Well, because that's one thing I've always been quite curious about. I mean, obviously, the Prius, the Toyota Prius has been kind of one of the most, is, I would say, the most iconic PCO car in the world. Um, so I was always curious to know, like, if that was kind of a planned thing? Did it happen by mistake? Like, how, how, how did that come about, do you think? Well, I, I think it's, 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 a, it's an interesting question. It's an interesting question. I mean, I... Toyota was always and always heavily investing in R&D, research and development, and they, they're always looking at opportunities in the market. Um, and emissions and, and congestion has always been one of the categories that the, the governments have always wanted to, to get better at. Uh, they wanted to lower the emissions, they've always wanted to be greener. And I think, I think you know, it was a strategy from Toyota to, to make and be first in the market. And, you know, we have been and we are the market leaders with the hybrid technology. So I think there was definitely a strategy behind the whole um, proposition of hybrid and how it was positioned and, and London is first to take it and you know with the congestion and the amount of dense popularity or population you've got in in the London market mm. I think it was sort of leading it and, and it's really come home to rooster yeah. so it's it's it's, it's sure. great it's great for us it's, fantastic. it's great for the product we've got some uh, stats actually for you guys um, <laughs> around tw- there's around 27,500 Prius is currently driving private hire in London so that's about 31% of all drivers 
which is an insane number. Uh, yeah. that's, that's, that's just Prius. That's not including that's, any yeah, other. Yeah, 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 I, mean, I think the second is uh, the Aorus. Um, yeah, Aorus, um, now Corolla, mm. and um, Prius Plus. Yeah, Prius we've Plug had a few of them yeah. on, our, on our fleet But, as but that well, is a, a huge number. I mean, why do you yeah. think so many people have flocked? Uh, a number of reasons. Um, the reliability of the vehicle, the vehicle is pretty much uh, bomb-proof from Toyota's legendary um, uh, reliability. Um, and drivers tend to uh, vote with their feet if something is not working for them. Uh, the low running costs from fuel through to maintenance, um, it makes the bit of a no-brainer for, for uh, the Prius to be sort of top car in that area yeah and I, I, just to add to that see i, I think i think the car it's, it's, a, it's it is an effortless drive it yeah. really is and when you're doing so many hours and you're sitting there and using it as as, as, as primarily for work mm-hmm. um i think it really is um an enjoyable drive i mm-hmm. i drive i mean i've driven previous over the years and hybrid cars mm-hmm. uh, they really are a nice drive um, so, I mean, obviously the Toyota Prius is, let's say, the most popular car amongst private hire drivers. Do you guys have, like, a, a favourite model of Toyota that you guys enjoy? Uh, definitely the Prius. <laughs> no, really, yeah. <laughs> definitely the Prius. <laughs> he knows his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> He's on point, on brand. I think for me, at the moment, I mean, previously, I, I think the Prius was probably the favourite because it was dominated, the hybrid was generally the Prius range. Toyota rolled it out now across the majority of the range. And I think the Corolla, the reintroduction of the hybrid Corolla in the two litre mm. is probably the favourite for me. Because the Corolla kind of replaced the Aorus, is that, is that correct? correct? Yeah. 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 It was going back to, back to its roots, basically. Corolla is the best-selling car ever in the world. And to capitalise on that brand name that we averted from for the last few years and rebranding it as Aorus, it was the right thing to do at the time because the... Uh, uh, Corolla was maybe seen as a sort of older person's type car and it was a car that maybe you would buy with the head and not the heart. Mm-hmm. So that's why the brand shift and the change of name to try and develop that a little bit further. Mm-hmm. But going back to Corolla, I think yeah. is the right thing to do uh, because of the heritage. I, I totally agree. Yeah. I totally, I mean, you still get customers coming in when, when the Aris was, was, was out and launched and 10 years in the market and asking if we still do a Corolla. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, that's how much that's of an impact the, the name and the car yeah. Corolla have made. I mean, I actually have a Corolla. I do. But one of the really old versions. Um, but yeah, it's a great car. It's a reliable car. How old is it? Um, I actually couldn't say that they... I think it's... We're talking late 90s okay, okay and it's still going strong <laughs> no it's um no the car itself <laughs> the car itself is going strong it's just not <laughs> okay. our preferred set okay. of wheels yes. okay. <laughs> okay. 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 i mean the reliability thing it is key for these drivers and all the yeah, cars absolutely. that we do um if, if if not the top one of the top um vehicles and brands that we do that's yeah, really been a problem for us as a company. The Prius just came out top on the recent um, JD Power survey as the top number one car okay. uh, for reliability. Um, it was streets ahead of its nearest competitor, which was the Aorus Stroke Corolla. <laughs> I have to ask, obviously there was the, uh, the change in the, the shape of the Prius in about early 2016 for the March yeah. for the new sales. Yeah. Any opinions on that? That kind of divide, it was a bit of a Marmite situation at the time. Yeah. The interior changed, the whole design changed, mm. the back was very, either you love it or, or, or hate it in some ways. Uh, obviously yeah. the majority loved it, but uh, I wanted to get your opinion on that. Sure. 
well, for me, I think it was it, it needed the change. I think it needed the refresh, freshening up. Uh, the lines of the car were, were, were a little slicker. Uh, and for me, it was it was a, a, a well-designed, a better car and an upgrade to the existing one. I think the big change from the first generation to the second generation, which is what we was from 2006, I think it was 2007. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, a completely different car. Uh, and, and whereas this is obviously a new design to that, that, that you can just see the upgrade. It was a natural evolution, I suppose, mm-hmm. to the, to the a bit car. A more sportive uh, as well. Yeah, more sleeker. Uh, yeah, yeah, sleeker. Definitely yeah. the lines were definitely sleeker. So for me, definitely mm-hmm. the right thing. So if someone, for someone who wouldn't know, what would you say are kind of the big differences between, let's say, the Prius range and the Auris range? Hmm. Uh, well, the, the the obvious thing is there's C C segment car and the D segment car, so that's the the, the first obvious sort of difference between the two. Um, the Prius uh, for me is is a cabin space where it's very airy, lots of light coming in the car, and there's lots of leg room around, which is why it's probably uh, another reason why it's probably done so well in the taxi PCO market <coughs> because of that real leg room. It's it's pr- pretty much untouchable mm-hmm. in its size and shape. When you've got long legs like me, you need to inspect the back. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so I mean, I guess moving on from that. So where do you see the Prius plug-in fitting into this um, market? I mean, obviously, we're big fans of it. We um, we've been stocking them for a while. From our end, well. yeah, it's been extremely popular uh, amongst PCO drivers. And kind of, what was the reasoning behind releasing it? And are you kind of happy with how it's gone so far? And um, pretty much, yeah. I mean, the, the initial launch, um, changing from it was four, a four-seater, um, which didn't fit well within the marketplace for a taxi. Um, changing that to five-seater was was a strategic change. It needed to be changed to five-seater, mm. not just for a taxi market, for the retail market as well. People want a hatchback, they want five seats in it. Um, so that was the, the key change along with the TNGA platform. So that's a new platform that the vehicle's mm. built on, which allows Toyota to build multiple vehicles from that same platform, reducing costs, etc. Right. Yeah. And the fact that obviously it's congestion charge free mm. with its emissions yes. uh, is, is definitely, you know, the proposition all of a sudden has got yeah. better again mm-hmm. with the Prius. So it, from, in terms of where it fits in, it goes right in at the top. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's definitely yeah. a strategic move and, and one that's it's made at the right time for my, well, my view. Because from our end as well, we try and do a little bit of education on our side because, mm-hmm. I mean, we have a belief that these are great cars, but you have to drive it in a particular way yeah. to get the most out of yeah. it. Do you guys have any tips or advice, especially for PCO drivers? You know, how, what's the, what's the best way to get the most out of this car? When I'm asked that question, I say to people, if you currently drive a diesel, then you need to change your driving style, uh, mm-hmm. simply because a diesel requires the revs to be up to 2,000 RPM so that the turbo can kick in to make the car basically go. With uh, with hybrid technology, it's a smooth acceleration using the petrol engine and the electric motor to get up to your designated speed and then just cruise at that speed and the car will sit there effortlessly. <laughs> and we've got some research that's been done across Europe, across many universities, where we're actually uh, showing that the car will drive between 50 and 65% of all journeys on electric power only. Mm-hmm. And this is something we're trying to get over to the localised governments and TFL, Transport for London, uh, to sort of explain this is a car that's here and now for the, for the current market mm-hmm. and will reduce CO2, reduce air pollution within London 
and uh, help them get to their, their targets. Um, electric vehicles are, are obviously um, hot on the agenda at the moment um, and they're taking a little bit longer to come to market and they're pr pretty much more expensive than a conventional vehicle and more than a, a normal hybrid or a plug-in hybrid. We've got some, some stats here um, in terms of the actual range from, a, from the plug-in. Uh, Prius is uh, 39 miles, which takes about two hours to charge. Does that yeah. sound about right to you guys? Yes, yeah. That's yeah. yeah. Uh, and in terms of the congestion, just uh, to be clear, it's exempt until December 2021. Yeah. Uh, December 25th, I think it is, uh, which gives yeah, it gives drivers an extra two years of saving yeah. literally yeah. thousands Absolutely. of pounds, which is yeah. it's great yeah. for them. Yeah. I guess we do have to ask kind of um, what is the motivation or is there an expectancy that you guys will come with like a full EV range in the future? Or? It's a common question we do get asked from. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's something we're asked at uh, every customer meeting. What when your electric vehicle? We we currently have a full electric vehicle range, which is hybrid. Um, they are electric vehicles at the end of the day. Um, and to answer your question, yes, we have vehicles coming in the pipeline. Um, our first full electric vehicle would be the CHR, mm. and that will be in the China market um, this year towards the end of this year uh, and then hopefully that will roll out to the rest of the world basically right. yeah. and hopefully we'll get some in Europe and then I think there'll be a, mm -hmm. a chain reaction of electric vehicles coming from okay. most manufacturers but the issue around electric vehicles coming to marketplace is battery uh, and having enough batteries um, there is a global shortage of them and Toyota's making all sorts of efforts and joining new partnerships new relationships with battery manufacturers and we have a massive R&D section of, um, of Toyota that is working on new technologies for batteries oh, and yeah. so and as, space. as much as everybody wants them we want them yeah, yeah because yeah. you know the demand is there yes, and, and yeah. we're you know we're in this what we want that's what yeah. the people want that's what the customers yeah. want and, that's and, and I think as well people especially want it from you guys they yeah. want it from Toyota because they've yeah. always seen you know the Prius as you know kind of an avant-garde it was it was the future when it came yeah. out so I think because you know there's a lot of hype around EV they kind of had that expectancy that you guys would have been the first movers to you know I think we will we will definitely build electric vehicles and that's that's it's it's already happening but um, not wanting to be the first electric vehicle we want to have the best electric vehicle on the market and that's what what Prius basically did all those years ago in 1997 when it launched mm. we've got the iconic Prius we'd, we'd love to see the iconic EV Prius or whatever yeah. Name yeah. It's called. But, I mean the thing is we don't know when it's going to come at the minute but what we do know is when it when it does arrive it's going to arrive with a bit of a bang mm. and, yeah. and, and that's something that we can mm. you know quite confidently sit here and, and tell, tell everybody out there you know so so watch the spaces, Steve. But then I guess, so what was the logic behind investing so heavily in, let's say, hydrogen, the Toyota Mirai? Um, yeah, I mean, hydrogen is, a, is, a, is another um, complete another topic for discussion. Um, we've brought the first hydrogen sedan to, to market in the Mirai. Um, I think we've got about 100 on the road in the UK, mainly around in the southeast in London area, uh, with the Met Police, Transport for London, and a few other choice customers. But uh, it's it's based around the infrastructure, the infrastructures around the London M25 mm -hmm. area. Um, as that expands to the rest of the nation, um, it'll be easy for Toyota to. Uh, remove a petrol engine and drop in a right. fuel sack and um, 
we will basically have hydrogen vehicles throughout the range. But that infrastructure needs to start ramping up and coming first. Sorry to interrupt, because Green Tomato obviously have yeah, yeah. their fleet. We yeah, had them in for a right. podcast a few weeks back. Right. We had a great chat with uh, Stephen Eagle. A, a, a few seasons back. A few seasons back, yeah. <laughs> with uh, Tony Goldstone who came in. And yeah, he was really super pumped about it. And he had yeah. some oh, great that, things to say about yeah. it. But that thing you said about the infrastructure, I think it's really true. Especially, I mean, we've always kind of kept hydrogen on our radar as mm-hmm. well. But it feels like the cars themselves are amazing they're great but it does feel like it's underserved especially in london the infrastructure for a pco driver let's say it becomes a little bit difficult yeah. they're not in and about it hasn't been the same hype yeah. that ev has had i think i think with the london market at the minute and generally the demand in the market is that the time is right for for hybrid self-charging hybrid um, and I, I'm pretty sure that going forward in five years' time, the way things and the outlook is today is going to be very different, and that will be more aligned with maybe hydrogen and the infrastructure will be upgraded or more suited to, the, to that type of technology. So, I mean, the, the great thing for us is, is just to know that Toyota are again ahead of the game. You know, they're, they're always, always looking at opportunities and strategies, strategic moves. Uh, and, 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 you know, we're, we're willing there with the, all the alternative vehicles. And mm-hmm. that's another example with the, with the Mirai uh, of, of their commitment to the alternative fuel market. So it's a fantastic place to be. Yeah. I mean, how many because you, you did some research into it about yeah. how many uh, kind of stations there was or ports yeah. where they could... There's quite, I mean, there's a lot that are for kind of, let's say, um, government agencies or public... Commercial so, use. Yeah, yeah. commercial use ones. Yeah. Not that many kind of private use well, ones. Yeah. I saw there's one in Hendon that recently got opened up. There are a few in the public. Hendon, one in Heathrow, one in uh, Chobham on the M25 in the Shell Station, and the Shell Station at Beaconsfield as well. Uh, There's another one in Swindon, and then you go up to Sheffield, and then the next one above that is is Aberdeen. It was feeling left out. Yeah, you um, plan your journey very well. For do you think the government, the government could be doing more? In that I area? think the government yeah. could be doing a lot more uh, to encourage. Uh, uptake of of um, hydrogen and uh, developing the network further. They seem to be uh, solely focused on saying that electric vehicles, BEVs, um, are the sole thing that's going to change the auto industry. I don't believe that. I believe there's a more blended um, marketplace out there and customers will require different uh, products to, to fit their like needs. Like a plug-in, for example. Correct. Like a plug-in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and, kind of how we... We like having options. Yeah. You know, we like to have... We don't want to have just one option, you know, yeah. and we want to give customers, everyone likes to have an option. So I, th- I agree with you. And I think, you know, we need to... I think the government can be doing... Yeah, and I guess it's kind of a chicken and egg thing with all of these things, yeah. you know, like... Um, the government hype up electric, they invest a little bit in the infrastructure, the manufacturers follow. Um, likewise here, if they just put a little bit more effort into kind of uh, offering that alternative fuel source, then more people would get involved and then you'd see the market grow. Yeah. So it's kind of like everybody's taking their lead. And I yeah. think even in electric, there's a lot of hype, but probably they could be moving quicker in that regard as well. So Yeah, I mean, the local government and the mayor's office committed to building 10,000 charging points in London. Yeah. Today, there's only just over a thousand. Um, I know that there's been recent um, uh, publications that they are investing multi million pounds um, in producing fast charging systems around the capital, but um, we've yet to see that happening. And how long is that likely to take? And my other bigger uh, question behind that is how's the electricity? Where's that coming from? Uh, because we're not a, a power rich nation. 
um, and uh, we have a, a, a plant that has been recommissioned, a nuclear plant that's been recommissioned for another 20 years to wait for the new plant to open, but that new plant is now stalled and that's not now being currently built so where's our future electricity coming from if we're changing all cars to go down the electric route it's not the sole solution yeah, the, in my opinion yeah the grid can't cope with it I mean, no. as, as, as it stands and it, it's certainly not got the infrastructure so there's got to be a wide acknowledgement and work yeah we, I mean, we've obviously taken you know been constantly looking at the, the situation under the infrastructure because you know for us it's all about there's no point let's say selling electric cars or plug-ins if the infrastructure is let's say not there in London for them to for the, for the PCO drivers to do their job and do it well and, and not be stressed out every yeah. hour or two trying yeah. to find a, a charging point 20 miles away um, so I, I think it is slowly improving uh, you know even right next to our office in Britannia House and in, uh, in Hammersmith there's a new one being popped up so it's, it's slowly starting to happen yeah. uh, obviously still a long way to go um, in this private hire market it's, it's different to the, to the kind of normal consumer who would do a lot less mileage per week for the private hire driver, you can be doing anything from 150 to do up to 200 miles a day sometimes mm-hmm. on, a, on a busy day. So it's yeah. important for them to know there's a charging point, let's say at Heathrow, at a local convenience store, yeah. or yeah. at the supermarket, like at, at Tesco, for example. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, it's starting to get there. But yeah, there's obviously valid concerns around that. And even though they talk a lot about cycling, it's kind of not a realistic thing mm-hmm. to expect that everybody is going to just end up cycling. Um, yeah, not around the road, roads in London, yeah. would you? <laughs> Taking your life in your hands. Yeah. <laughs> um, you might have a better chance cycling to Aberdeen. Keep your feet. Market that bike shop at Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> Um, have you guys been keeping an eye on kind of this whole thing with congestion charges and Ulez as a company? Has it affected sure, yeah. you? Yeah, it's been huge for private hire last last year for us as a company, yeah. for all the players involved. And it's been a constant kind of theme and subject that's come up in the podcast in the past. So we, yeah, yeah. it's great to hear. Yeah. No, we're, we're looking at that very, very closely. And obviously we've been lo- lobbying um, uh, sort of local government, the mayor's office, uh, city hall, etc., um, but it's it's trying to get th- those those guys in those those roles to uh, come to the party and realise where hybrid is, where plug-in hybrid is, to effect some change and uh, allow those guys to still have the benefit of zero congestion charge. Um, it isn't something that we've stopped. We've uh, committed to working with some trade associations as well to try and sort of lobby a little bit closer, a little bit. Uh, more furiously uh, towards that, um, it'd be good news if they if they turn that around um, because we we feel we've got products here and now that are fit for the marketplace and fit for uh, fit for usage and uh, that will reduce air quality and. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely yeah, a, a, a surprise to all of us yeah. when we found out that you know the Prius and the hybrids would be not exempt. Yeah, uh, which yeah. was a huge shock. Yeah, uh, well, especially, like especially massive, so many, yeah, it was a massive, massive shock. And I think it was it's been a massive shock for everybody, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, people, all, all the PCO and the market and in general uh, with London and, and the charges. So it, it is it has come as a surprise, but you know the goalpost has changed constantly mm-hmm. and no, and dare I say it might change in the future we just need you know we need to be aligned with it and if we can get the other products and, and, and get it overturned then that would be fantastic and great because those products are environmentally friendly than the most that have been driven in in, in, in the city mm-hmm. uh, but yeah you look you know we have got a product out there here and now that, that, that does fall under that and we have kept an eye on it because you know we want 
the drivers to get the best benefit out of the product that they're buying. Well, it's quite interesting because a lot of people, we've obviously brought this topic up a lot because it's just a huge um, issue, mm. um, especially for PCO drivers. And a lot of people, you know, they're quite negative about the congestion charge, whereas you guys seem like quite up for the challenge. Like, um, do you think that potentially it's a move in the right direction then? Um, well, I suppose for, for the, the targets that local government have in London uh, are pretty extreme. Um, they're obviously answering to, to European legislation um, with Brexit. Who knows what that, that leads to, whether that changes the goalposts, whether we do still have to adhere to those targets. Um, I'm assuming that they will continue. Um, everybody wants cleaner air uh, for their children to uh, be out, outside playing and, and doing what children do. Um, rather than being locked up in the house, <laughs> keeping away from the, the streets and the parks and what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, who knows what's, what's around the corner. We keep lobbying and keep uh, putting our, our voice forward um, mm-hmm. in that arena to try and effect some change. We did have some success with uh, one of the trade associations where uh, TFL had changed the um, seating arrangement for Prius Plus. So change it from a six-seater, a licensed six-seater, to a licensed four-seater, mm. and uh, obviously we got got that uh, overruled and uh, changed back to uh, the vehicle being licensed yeah. as a six-seater. So we're having some success there. Um, I keep pushing. Keep I can't pushing. take <laughs> I can't take the credit for that. That was down to uh, a trade association um, that that sort of got that over the line because mm. it was affecting most of their members. So uh, therefore, they felt obliged to. Get involved with uh, some some communications from Toyota. So yeah. we did see some uh, reports even even in the uh, Evening Standard the other uh, the other day uh, about. I mean, it has been relatively successful. Uh, you know, the congestion charge and and, and ULES and yeah. obviously it's raked in about fifty five million. I think for TFL, which I'm sure they're very happy about. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, if, 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 if there's I think up to about nine or ten or ten thousand cars um, that. Sorry, up to nine to ten thousand cars that now meet the standards that wasn't there before. So therefore, there's you know there's less polluting vehicles on the road. Is the, yeah, is the, is I was in, in London on Sunday and I had to double check because I turned into a road where the ULEs part started because I was thinking, well, congestion charge is not effective in this road. I know that, and then I saw the ULEs sign. I went, oh, so I had to stop and and turn around and went the other way. And then. Honestly, I wonder how many people have done that before as well. Well, exactly. Yeah, so you've done, you'd have had to drive in and, and pay the charge. Um, you can imagine that's happened a fair few times. But yeah, so um, my wife very kindly plugged in the registration number into the, and it said the car was not required because it's a hybrid, so okay. therefore uh, I didn't have to pay. So. Yeah. yeah, for you, Les, it might be the Priuses and, and the majority, if not all vehicles yeah. that tend to have are all exempt from ULEs, that's absolutely yeah. fine. It's yeah. either a hybrid or, or a Euro 6. Yeah. And obviously, electrics are included in that as well. Exactly. Um, so that's all. That's all kosher. But it's the uh, the congestion charge, which has been the sticking yeah. point of late yeah. since since it came in in February or March this year. Well, I suppose your your taxi drivers just see that as a, an additional cost to yeah, to them that they don't really need. Um, yeah. And it's uh, you know they're out there trying to earn their yeah. their crust, as it were, um, and that's an obstacle in their way. So, but you know there is an answer to some of that, which in the plug-in. Yeah. So you know there is there is a there is a route around that. But you know overall the goal of of having it being greener and the emissions being lower and less. You know we support that. We support that as a brand. We support that as a network. So you know it's something that we all want to pull together and, and achieve. It's just I suppose you've got to weigh up 
the, the pros and the cons yeah. um, and it's naturally having a bigger effect or has an effect on on PCO drivers yeah. over, over others and yeah. um, obviously as well Toyota are, um, you know multinational organization you guys are huge um, I think you guys uh, maybe manufacture the most vehicles in the world at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> it's not an accolade that we've aimed to get to be, you know, the biggest car manufacturer in the world. It's just yeah. developed by the way that Toyota is set up with NMSCs and how we uh, build in localized markets and put factories in those localized markets to to build products and uh, deliver that product into that local market and. Um, outside of that market and, as well. And so I guess with that localised approach as well, you kind of touched on it earlier, but but how is this whole Brexit thing um, affecting you? Are you, are you feeling it? Well, the dreaded Brexit, <laughs> feeling, feeling what, uh, is, is is a key question because uh, who knows what's, what's, what's going to happen? Who knows what the change is going to be? Is it going to uh, imply tariffs on vehicles coming to the UK? Is it going to imply tariffs on vehicles that are built here in the UK that get exported? Who who knows what that is going to be? I mean, for our our perspective, uh, the majority of product that we sell in the UK either comes from Japan or here in the UK, and there's a couple of vehicles that come from Europe. Mm-hmm. So it's the ones that come from Europe. We're not sure about what will happen, mm-hmm. but the stuff coming from Japan shouldn't really affect us or change anything within Brexit. And the stuff that's built here in the UK, like the Corolla, um, we're yeah. not sure. Um, and for us, as a business, you know, for us, uh, it's business as usual. Yeah, mm-hmm. you Absolutely. know, we have carried on business, business as usual. Brexit is not even mentioned around the business because you know there's certain things that we can influence, and there's other yeah. things that we can't influence. The outcome of Brexit and the way it's going to go and what's going to happen, we can't influence that. Yeah. Uh, so we, we need to carry on the mindset of the businesses to carry on as business as, as usual. Yeah. And if there's a change made, we, we will align ourselves, Toyota will align themselves and we'll, we'll come out uh, on the front foot. We always have done. Uh, the brand has done. The brand's in a sweet spot, in a great position. You know, we've got, we've had more brand power or pulling power to the brand now with Toyota and the hybrid and alternative fuels than we've ever had yeah, um, and, and we're seeing that every day in our showrooms whether it be through uh, Prius or the Corolla or which, whichever car is in the range mm-hmm. we are now seeing more 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 customers and consumers attracted to the brand than that we have ever done so yeah from a Brexit point of view it, it's for us it's just business as normal well, I mean and that's extremely impressive and we don't even just have to take your word for it I mean across the world Toyota makes of Toyota let's say different models are the most bought cars in those particular yeah. countries yeah. how do you think as a company you manage to stay so versatile um, and I guess as well, I'd also like to link that with the whole um, PCO and private hire game as well. How, yeah. how do you think you managed to find something that applies to so many people in that country, but also to this industry as a whole in so many countries? Yeah, I mean, the first point of your question, how do we stay ahead of the market is by having the biggest spend on R&D of yeah. any company in the world. Um, it's, it's, some it's something like, uh, <laughs> it's my, my boss quoted this figure at a meeting yesterday we spend one million pounds it was either a minute or an hour on R&D okay. uh, there was a you figure we had a few years ago it was in a presentation it was something like nine billion dollars uh, that we would spend a year on R&D 
Um, and that's ahead of any other man, yeah. car manufacturer. I don't think we have that lying around. No, we don't. It's up there against way, way lots up. of drug companies <laughs> as well, the R&D that drug companies uh, go into. So R&D is, is our key. It's your, your, you're only as good as your next next new product and uh, keep evolving. You know, It's uh, part of the Toyota way is uh, keep, keep changing, keep evolving. Kaizen keep making things better uh, and that's what we obviously try to achieve uh, in everything we do. Yeah, that works really well because you know, the manufacturers are, are, are ahead of the game in terms of what the, the consumer research and consumer wants are and that helps us as a network mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to then align the product and the information and all of that and bring it to market and it, that's why it works really well hand in hand because throughout the whole chain you've got everybody sort of aligned and, and, and working off the same page. Mm-hmm. And then we're seeing the results of that, we really are. Yeah. You know, in a declining market this year, and it has been tough, uh, the new car market in general has, has, has declined. But Toyota have actually increased, and the increase in that declining market has come from hybrid and alternative. And, is that, and how much does private hire play a part in this? Because obviously, there's, if, if the general consumer market is kind of slowly weighing down, for, for us private in, hire has gone through the roof. Yeah, yeah. for us in and around London, quite significant. It's, it's a big chunk of our, our sales volume. Uh, for the rest of the country, it's, it's probably not as important, but some of the major cities are now, uh, Prius is starting to become a, a much more preferred choice than their uh, original D-segment diesel, which is starting to become you know, a bit more obsolete yeah, and people are yeah. switching over to hybrids uh, in Manchester, Birmingham, Sheffield, etc. You know, some of these quite heavily congested cities with uh, air quality as well. Yeah, it's, it's an issue for most cities and they're all kind of, it seems to be introducing their own style of ULEs at some point in the future. Yeah. Leeds, yeah. Liverpool, Sheffield, all these places. Yeah. It's either happening now or going to be happening in the next year or two. So mm-hmm. it's an area that to watch out for. Yeah, some of them take the, the lead from looking at London yeah. uh, specifically and, and trying to have a balance. Uh, I would say probably some of them outside of London have got a bit more of a balance in trying to appreciate what is available. Um, but London's got the biggest uh, numbers to crunch. So Flagship. therefore, yeah. And, the, and yeah. these other cities, they, they're following the blueprint. The blueprint is there in London. Yeah. And and you're finding the other bigger cities are seeing what what what's happened in London or happening, sure. and they're sort of following suit and preparing themselves and getting ready. Mm-hmm. And not only that, you know, with the, with the product and, and and Stephen touched on it earlier, it is very reliable. So not only does it give you other benefits in terms of the cleaner air, the fuel economy, the hybrid drive and, and all the rest of it, but it actually is a very reliable product. So mm-hmm. when you're using it as your mainstream worth of income, then you, you know you want it to be on the road more than in a workshop being, being ready and fixed. So I think, I think there's a number of reasons for it, but you know, generally speaking, the blueprint is being followed. That's been set in London mm-hmm. with these bigger cities. Okay. And you'll see that the traction is, is there now and once it's going the movement will be very very quick and it will sort of get get, get up to these levels quicker than, than London did I suppose mm. I think I can speak on, on behalf of uh, most of the PCO drivers in the private hire industry in general to say that you know obviously the Toyota brand is, is loved it's a, it's a trusted brand and yeah. going back to the reliability point that you made earlier on yeah. Um, which is, is great to see, and obviously that will long may that continue with mm. the private yeah. hire space. And I mean, in that vein as well, and bringing it to London that we were talking about, have you, have you guys at all, just out of curiosity, um, kept an eye on this, the kind of rise of operators that we're now seeing in the private hire yeah. space? Captain Bolts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's quite a few <laughs> new entrants into, uh, into the marketplace. Oh, 
Absolutely. Yeah, we haven't caught up with all of them. But, uh, <laughs> it's a lot to go through. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of discounts you're going to put yeah. over yeah. on uh, we'll have a look. We'll have a look. We'll send you some of the apps afterwards. And we're, de- <laughs> we're definitely seeing, uh, from a from a network point of view, we're definitely seeing more and more um, PCO drivers walking into the showrooms uh, than we've ever had. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you going back I mean, I mean, six, my sixteen years, going back all the time. I've never known it to be so many um, PCO drivers walking into our showrooms wanting to know about the product, driving, mm-hmm. and actually purchase it. And, and obviously having the deal that, that with Toyota negotiate for Uber mm-hmm. and the terms it, we've made it really really easy for the consumers and the PCO market or the, the, the customers to walk in and, and actually get the deal straight up front and, and, and talk on, on terms that they want to talk on or send it all and just make it really really easy yeah. so so yeah it, the, the traffic and the customers and the consumer and the demand it's definitely changed um into through showroom traffic and, and naturally you guys have seen it yeah, uh, yeah. as well so yeah definitely 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 i i kind of wanted to like bring it back a step um we've talked a lot um about kind of the kind of the, the reliability of um, Toyota kind of as a brand and obviously we that we know it quite well for us it, it makes so much sense it's so obvious for someone that let's say had never come across the Toyota brand which obviously it's quite rare nowadays yeah. you know, what would you say like if you had to simply explain what would you say it is about um, Toyota as a brand that makes your cars more reliable than let's say the competitors out there you're at the call for well, it, well, yeah. I, I think I think it's it's, it's touching on a number of things that we've already spoken about the research and development that goes into it the the, the ongoing um, Kaizen and always continuously improving improving as a manufacturer I, I, that's what Toyota do and one of the things that the that the founder and, and, and Akio and, 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 and the president of Toyota that one of the things that they always focus on is the reliability and, and ease of use the, for the end user okay and one of the things that Toyota pride themselves on is is exactly that and that's not going to stop what what I'd like to say is you know what we have and Toyota have moved to not only now is it a still a reliable what is a reliable car but they actually changed the designs from the T, TNGA new platforms and they've actually made them more appealing and desirable yeah. we actually see customers today walk through our into our showrooms and say actually that's a nice looking car mm-hmm. uh, you know that is actually a, 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 an appealing car the desirability levels of these cars are going on. you put that hand in hand with the reliability and that definitely gives us a competitive edge mm-hmm. over its competition because you know, going back a number of years Toyota were seen to be a reliable car but not necessarily a desirable car today you know that has definitely shifted in the marketplace and we're seeing not only a, a reliable car but a desirable car so so i think it's a number of components and it's not just one thing that makes it a, a gives us a competitive edge or a reliable car there's a number of factors that combine together uh, to give us the put and, and puts in the place that we're in today. Well, you've, you've um, sold us. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <You've done. laughs> it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the test. <laughs> Just picking up on what Irfan says, um, you know, the reliability is obviously part of our DNA, um, but it's it's much more now uh, talking about building the new products and stuff. People are now buying the cars with their heart as opposed to their head, which traditionally a Toyota driver would have bought that car with a head, mm. saying that's going to be reliable, it's going to be economical to run, etc, etc. 
So they're now changing that approach. So people buying with the heart. And when you get inside the Prius, you get inside that cabin space. Mm. It's a nice place to be, to be driving around. And if that's your office for the day, it's got to be comfortable. Mm. And that's what that's another reason why I think most of these drivers mm. are, are going down the Prius route and Prius plug-in now. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, been last few weeks a Prius plug-in yeah. uh, sales on our side, yeah. it's kind of skyrocketed. Going to a five-seater, that Prius plug-in was yeah, definitely yeah. the right thing to do. I mean, people, we, it, people were screaming out for it over the years and, and, and somewhat couldn't understand why we did, or probably we haven't done it a bit sooner, but it, it's arrived and it's here yeah. now. So well, some people scream at us because they think that our <laughs> plug-in is four seats, so thanks for that. So you have to really explain <laughs> that it is five seats. <laughs> but you know, like touching on what you said as well, one thing that I've always found interesting about people that, because obviously now there's a lot of um, drivers that are looking at the kind of next generation of car. Um, yeah. One thing I've noticed about people who own um, Toyota Priuses currently when they come in, a lot of the time when I speak to drivers, they don't even ask what's your range. They go like, uh, what, what's the next generation of Prius that you have? It's, they're so quick. It's like they almost don't want to even think about a, a different car. So, yeah, it's yeah. quite interesting yeah. that I've, I've noticed that. They're adapted um, a lot quicker than we expected. I think, I think that's just not on the Prius model. You know, when we've, we've seen consumers through, throughout um, the, the network, the, the customer retention and the retention rate on, on the Toyota product is fantastic you know from from literally from the first purchase of toyota and i again going back to 16 years in my experience and my views i've seen so many the same customer come in six or seven times and just upgrade uh toyota into a toyota not ask any questions a bit like what you're saying they're just they're into the product they love the product they want to in it and they drive it and you see the the benefits of the product they don't even need to be sold exactly it's a conversation it's a conversation you know they come in it's a it's a family it's a conversation yeah. and, and and you know we just sit there and and and, and we move on and, and um, it's definitely a nice feeling you see these customers for the right reason not seeing them because the, the cars are broken down and they pay and they come in two weeks later and you're seeing them on their six 12 months in intervals either for a service or because they want to upgrade their cars broken, broken down yeah, exactly exactly so <laughs> We don't, we don't see yeah. servicing. We're, servicing. <laughs> We're pretty uh, aligned on that actually because a lot of drivers, you know, most drivers that do come to us to our hubs um, already have an idea or they're pretty set on which vehicle they want to get already, Toyota Prius being one of them. Um, and it's just a case for us just making sure they're suitable for the, for the car and the schemes that we have like rent to buy or the PCO car hire schemes. So that's, we're in the same ballpark uh, in that sense, yeah. which is great. That's good. I think we might um, switch over to the last part of the show, okay. which is uh, issues lovely quizzes which always catch me off guard uh, but <laughs> fail to get any of the answers right so I'll let Ish take it away for the, for the part, final part of the show um, yeah so a little game um, usually I think of quite an, like a name with some nice alliteration I think I've fallen short this week because I don't think I have a good name so let's call it Touring with Toyota or the Toyota <laughs> Tour um. <laughs> we'll get Tom to do a little jingle during that bit. So. Touring the Toyota. The Toyota tour. Um, I thought it would be quite a fun um, thing considering how Toyota is um, the best selling um, brand in many countries across the world. Just to test your guys' knowledge a little bit, um, I name the country, um, and you guys tell me what model of Toyota you think is the most popular in that country. Mm. You guys ready for that? Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Don't worry. Many as I can be. I'm gonna fail this as well. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, Rich is always here as kind of like the litmus test. <laughs> you know he's going to go zero, so... <laughs> I'm still trying. Let me see if I can beat you if that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see how we do. Let's see how we do. Um, we can start a little bit easier. Um, say Australia. Australia, best-selling car, Toyota car yeah. in Australia. I would have to say it'd be Land Cruiser or Hilux. I'd say Hilux. Corona. It is the Hilux. Yeah. <laughs> Good, great start. Yeah. Season two off, off to a bang. Rich yeah. getting the points in. <laughs> Uh, Kazakhstan. <laughs> yeah, you know that really well. Yeah, go on. Go get these. Can you give us some, uh, give us some tip hints? You know, hint no, no hints. No, okay. All right. Kazakhstan, I think, would be high lux again. Interesting. Ditto. <laughs> it's going to be a point. I'll go, I'll go language this time because okay. it seems the language the last time. All of you are wrong. It's the Camry. Camry. Yeah, it's uh, a popular car. I feel it's a bit unfair. Standard. I'm not fully up to date with the models <laughs> arranged. I, lo- I love as well that you tried to follow Stephen's cue and still got it wrong. <laughs> nice try. Right. Um, this is one I was interested in Sudan. Also, by the way, can I say it's really impressive that in Kazakhstan and Sudan, you're, you guys are. That'd be really yeah. strong, yeah. Corolla? Mm-hmm. Prius? <laughs> it's the Hilux again. Yeah. Yeah. Really popular car, it seems, across the world, actually. Pick a non-desert country. <laughs> <laughs> like a little bit easy for us. Pick the terrain. Okay, fine. Lesotho. Lesotho. Can I just back out now? Corolla. Corolla. It's, it's got to be. Camry. Um, it's actually the Toyota Fortuner. Yeah. Right. We don't have um, that. Yeah. That's a trick question. <laughs> Help us out. Help me. That's actually the language. Fine. The final one. Iceland. Iceland. Mm. Very terrainy, mate. It's Mountain, Land Cruiser. Yeah, Hilux. Mm. Land Cruiser, obviously. <laughs> it's the Yaris. Oh, Yaris. <laughs> wow. Okay, My streak yeah. continues. Wow. Wow. Check, can we check these answers? Yeah. These questions, please? We'll give a rotation yeah. on these. Yeah, we need to get I want those questions, I'm going to check those. This was as of 2018, I'm just going to say. Oh, 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 yeah. Come on, yeah. come on. Come on, come on. Oh, awesome. Enough. Well, thanks for that. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, you did week. great again this week. Cheers. There's some sarcasm in your voice there. Feel <laughs> it. Um, okay. Unfortunately, that's all we have uh, time for today. It's been a pleasure having you both on the show. Thank you so much Thank for coming. Pleasure. Thank you. Uh, obviously, you're welcome back anytime. We can maybe maybe season three. Who knows? Um, maybe chat about future cars and, um, coming up yeah. soon. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, obviously you can catch up with all the previous episodes from season one which included talks from Captain and Via Van, drivers and riders as well. Uh, Don't forget to get involved in the conversation on our Facebook and Twitter pages. Simply search Autocar or use the handle at Autocar UK. And you can also subscribe to this pod and rate us, which helps other PCO drivers find us. Uh, Until next time, stay safe on the road. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you.